navigate the journey to becoming a great lawyer with expert guidance on topics that range from trial skills to corner office management. Here you will learn how to tap into your potential for legal greatness. I'm Andrew Smiley, and this is The Mentor, ESQ. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of The Mentor ESQ. As I'm sure you know from listening to me, that I am a big believer and preacher of getting involved in bar organizations. Uh, I've held leadership positions in bar organizations. I'm so actively on boards. Uh, I think it's just such an amazing way to meet with other colleagues, to get referrals, to improve your knowledge through uh, meeting other lawyers and, and attending CLEs through those bar exam, uh, bar organizations. And it's just, it's, it's a great uh, way to be involved and to better yourself as a lawyer. And that's why I thought we would have as our first guest of season two today, uh, the leader of uh, the best bar organization in the state of New York, uh, which is the New York State Academy of Trial Lawyers. And we're joined today by our executive director of what we know as the Academy, Michelle Stern. Welcome, Michelle. Woohoo! Yeah. Exciting season two. I'm very excited to kick you off. Thank you so much. Very excited that you are here. Uh, Michelle and I go back uh, many years and uh, Michelle recruited me those many years ago into the academy and didn't let go of me until I agreed to be on the board and then didn't let go until I agreed to be the president. And then she held my hand for the whole year that I was a president and uh, she continues to do so today for me and to all the other members of the Academy. So Michelle, if you would just share with us, you know, what the Academy is, what your role is with it, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll go on from there. Sure. So I get to run this amazing bar association. Um, we have a huge continuing education program. We have um, lobbyists, and a whole political action program. We uh, do lots of work legislatively to try to keep the civil justice system open and active. And especially now, that's a whole new crazy, whole new crazy situation um, in ways we never thought we would be having to keep it open before. Uh, and we work with sponsors and different companies that want access to our attorney members. And we work with lots and lots of attorneys networking and schmoozing each other up and referring cases to one another and educating each other and um, otherwise hanging out and being part of a community together. So it's a fun gig. It's, uh, I get this real, one of the best parts of my job is that I get to work with a different president every year, part of the academy's bylaws are that we're very much a statewide organization and we bounce back and forth between presidents upstate and downstate every year. So Andrew was a downstate president, obviously. And um, I've been at this now for 15 years, which is crazy, but I have a collection of past presidents, including Andrew Smiley. So um, it's very fun. It's a very lucky gig that I have. Well, the organization is lucky to have you. Can you give us an idea of the scope, the breadth of this organization as far as membership, uh, counties covered, uh, how big the board of directors is, who's involved, what kind of lawyers 
uh, are in this organization? So bigger and bigger every day. Uh, we just recently hit 3,333, which is kind of wow. an, exciting, an exciting number to hit, you know, for trial lawyers. We always like that 33 and a third magic number. That is funny. Uh, but um, as of today, we are at 3,360. And uh, not that I obsessive compulsively check that number or anything. Um, but we are very much statewide. We have members you know, all the way from Buffalo to the tip of Long Island, um, in the Adirondacks, Southern Tier, everywhere um, in between. I think we have lawyers in every single county in New York State. Um, our board is pretty big. We have representatives from every, two from every judicial district, four vice presidents from the four departments. And like I mentioned, we rotate back and forth. So we're very much statewide board. I think there's 60 total members on our board, including at-large members and the deans of our CLE program, that kind of thing. So it's pretty big um, and getting much, much bigger. It started with only four guys in 2004. So it's grown very rapidly from there. It's amazing. And it's as a result of your leadership. And what a lot of people don't realize, you know, we all like to tout when we're the president of a bar or a past president of a bar organization, but presidents and past presidents and board members come and go. And the reality is, is that there is really one uh, CEO of the organization and that's you, right? Yep. Uh, I have a team. I mean, I have an amazing staff that works with me that are phenomenal. Um, Kate's been with us for more than 10 years now. Katie's been with us a number of years as well. And we have a great lobbying team at the Parkside Group. Um, and lots of other, you know, Megan is our part-timer in Rochester. So we, I have an amazing team and staff that works with me. Um, and the Academy's leadership, while the presidents do rotate year to year, there are quite a few um, Academy, you know, leadership crew who are in the mix all the time and are always helping think through decisions and are fundraising and donating and recruiting new members and, you know, really engaged. So it's totally not a one-woman show. I am very lucky to get to be the face um, a lot of the time, and more recently, very much the face in a way that I never anticipated being before. But, you know. Michelle, so how, did, how did you uh, become the executive director of the Academy? And can you share with us a little bit of your educational and work background? This is kind of a funny story. Um, so um, I, before law school, I um, was a chair of the board of a statewide nonprofit that did some civil justice work as well as environmental work and um, good government work. I worked on clean indoor air legislation. So if you used to enjoy going to restaurants and not smoking in them, I, I worked on that. Um, and um, then I decided to go to law school because I thought that would be helpful in my legislative advocacy work. And when I left law school, I uh, was feeling somewhat guilty about leaving behind this expensive uh, legal career, uh, <laughs> short-lived legal career. Where'd you so go to law school? Brooklyn Law School. That's right, my alma mater, um, the law school in New York. The best. 
and uh and I loved law school because it's like you know I was involved in clubs and stuff this is the bar association land is like an outgrowth of that sort of (laughs) but um so when I left law school I was looking for a position that didn't totally throw away my law degree um but enabled me to as I said not have any clients that was the goal at the time and now I look back on that and think what a sucker I was because now I have 3,300 lawyers and I could have just had, I don't know, 100 or so regular people. Instead, I have 3,000 of you. So <laughs> not easy. It's like herding cats. I don't know what I was Cats with attitudes and, uh, you know, argument skills. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it, I, when I graduated law school, I was looking for this position that would magically sort of combine nonprofit organizing and um, would have something to do with my law school degree. So the academy had recently been founded. I graduated law school in 2005. The academy was founded in 2004. They were looking for somebody crazy who was, uh, you know, had a law degree, but um, was willing to sort of jump in and start this bar association with them. And it was a, turned out to be a really lovely match. Um, my, one of my favorite stories is my interview, right? I'm just out of law school, very young and, and new lawyer. And I was interviewed, um, by John Benina, who's now an Academy past president, um, Mike Duffy, uh, and Jay Halfon, who's, um, been the Academy's treasurer and secretary for a very long time. And I was very intimidated. I was meeting with these big, important trial lawyers. And I sat down, we met in a steak restaurant. I'm a vegetarian. And um, the waiter, of course, asked me what I would like to drink first because I was the only woman at the table. And so I ordered a glass of red wine at my interview because I figured it was, you know, this is who I'm with. I'm with the trial lawyers. I'm going to roll with the trial lawyers. Like, yeah, a steakhouse, that's what you do. I'm a steakhouse, like, suck it up, order the red wine. So I ordered the red wine, which, by the way, I don't think I drank a single sip of, but I ordered it, and then they all proceeded to order, you know, whatever. And then they asked the regular questions, and yada, 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 and I end up getting the job. And months later, Mike Duffy told me that he knew he was going to give me the job when I ordered a glass of wine. <laughs> <at the interview. laughs> so That's awesome. That's Magical awesome. match. That's great. <laughs> So what I'm always amazed at, and I say this really uh, truthfully and heartfelt, is how you um, are able to manage, uh, you know, we have these board meetings. What a lot of people don't realize is, is, you know, several times a year, uh, the senior leadership of the academy gets together, and it's this way in many organizations. At board meetings, you have the big players there. And on our board, it's fair to say you have uh, probably the most prominent lawyers and trial lawyers uh, in New York State there. And trial lawyers are known not to be pushovers and everyone's got strong opinions and things can get heated. And here you are um, running it and you're in the middle of it. And you do such an amazing job of keeping everything on track and keeping the agenda moving, keeping everybody focused. And um, it's just, it's really uh, impressive. And I'm curious what that's like for you. I've had uh, some other female guests on this podcast, and I like to talk about how it's not an equitable profession uh, as far as gender. You walk into any courtroom and it's like 95% men, usually older white men, and 5% every, everybody else 
And it's just, it's a small amount of women that continue to work in this field and that rise to a high level of, of, of prominence in the field. Amy Richter, who you know, who uh, was on this uh, podcast, who is a past president of the Brooklyn Bar Association. And how is it that you as a woman uh, who actually probably has never tried a case in your life or handled any type of litigation, how are you able to manage uh, a bar organization like this and manage these high intense, uh, high energetic and intense uh, trial lawyers that you have to deal with on a regular basis? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I can't tell you all my secrets. No, just a few. Um, well, I think to some extent you've got to, I mean, the trial lawyers are sort of known, right? We're the, the cowboys of the profession, so to speak. And I think um, this Amy would agree with me. I think that you know, to some extent, you got to be able to run with the cowboys, and um, it takes a certain kind of woman to you know just kind of you got to go with the flow, and you, it is kind of still less so now. It's finally you know getting to be there's more and more women in trial law, but it's definitely still more of a boys' club than many other sort of niches within the profession. Um, and you know, that's why you like order red wine on your interview. Like you gotta, gotta roll with it. Um, that's just the world it is. Um, but I think it is changing and I'm very, very proud that the Academy has now, uh, has three female presidents in a row, which is so exciting. Something I never thought would happen initially. So we just had, um, Angelique Moreno, is our immediate past president. Um, Laura Jordan is our current president. And Carolyn Cachese, who is actually just doing a CLE with me today, um, is our president-elect. And so, I don't know, I think that is changing a little bit. Um, what do you think caused that to change, Michelle? Because the organization's been around for uh, over a decade. And why is it just in the last two years that we had our first female president? Do you Do you think that it has something to do with the existing leadership has uh, become more open to it? Do you think the, is the organization more diverse in general? Uh, I think the organization is getting bigger and more diverse. That helps. There's more folks involved and engaged. So there's more people to sort of pull from. Um, I think that the Academy's leadership has been really conscious about it from the very beginning. I think that even from the start, and we were founded by four white dudes, but even from the start, um, excuse me, they were conscious of trying to make sure there were women on the board, trying to make sure that there were women that were, you know, stepping up. And, and I think we're still cognizant of that. I think Angelique Moreno last year did a tremendous job really trying to push diversity and try to recruit women and keep it at the forefront. And then there are things that, that I do all the time. So for example, I have a C giant CLE spreadsheet for all of my upcoming CLEs. And I color code them. And if there's a woman speaker, it's pink. And if there's only male speakers, it's blue. And I try really, really hard to make sure that as much of that spreadsheet is pink as possible. And I'm conscious of it. Like I, when I'm going to have speakers, I seek out minority speakers. I seek out women speakers when I have CLEs and I have just a panel of, you know, whatever, three white guys, I try to figure out how do I add somebody to the panel? Um, so part of it's really pushing it and being visible and being 
conscious of it. Um, and part of it's, I just think times are changing and, you know, the, the bar, the makeup of the bar is changing. The profession is changing. Um, so let me ask you about the state of the world uh, with bar organizations in your view. I have always championed bar organizations because it's just, I've always enjoyed it. As you know, I, I lecture for the academy and I love being in a room with people attending the CLEs and having questions and really having that interaction. It's a great way to meet people. Um, you know, the events that we have, the social events are really great. It's a nice way to see your adversaries and members of the judiciary, people that you're normally either litigating a case against or appearing in front of uh, to see them in a more relaxed environment. Uh, but that's all changed now with the pandemic. So are bar organizations still relevant now? Totally. Um, so a couple different things. We're, we're seeing more engagement than ever before, um, partially because of technology. I think lawyers were a little bit slow to jump on board with podcasts and webinars. And once we were all trapped in home, um, it forced the issue. And it's going to force the issue, the technology um, and the pandemic. I think the, the one of the few silver linings is that it's really sort of thrusting the, the legal industry ahead in technology. You know, we were six months ago in the second department still sending in green postcards when you signed a retainer agreement. Suddenly that, that was something that existed for what, 50 years or something? I don't know, like all of a sudden, boom, it's done. Um, so- You online now and you do it in two seconds. Yeah, and there, you know, that could have happened before. That could have happened before, obviously, but you know, there. I think that is rapidly changing. So, bar associations that are quickly adapting, and I am proud that the academy is doing that. We've been running live webinars since the beginning of the pandemic, pretty much since April. How's that been going? Amazing. Uh, it's been kind of crazy, but we're getting huge crowds, averaging over a thousand attorneys a program. How is that different from pre-pandemic? <laughs> um, pre-pandemic, we'd get about a hundred people in the room at most. I would say a couple times, a couple times a year, we'd have over a hundred. And what so have you tried to do a uh, webinar uh, pre-pandemic? Would anybody tune into that? No, that like didn't happen. That didn't exist. Wow. Um, it was just like the postcards. We had, you just had to show up. Uh, and we were doing um, on demand and people were doing that, but not live. And so the live ones have been hugely popular. We just did one today with Carolyn um, Cachese and Jim Hacker, who's our vice president from the third department um, with 1600 people. So wow. it was one hour, 1600 people, one ethics credit, um, went a little over on Q&A, which is great. And uh, it was about EBT ethics. So um they're, the webinars are great, and I think bars that can focus on the needs of their members and, and really get out there, it's, it's, the bars are so relevant now more than ever. There's, it's very difficult for individuals to, individual attorneys, to communicate their needs to administrative judges, to OCA, um, and without bar associations, attorneys don't have that collective voice. So, you know, yeah, you can get your CLE from any number of online, cheapo, whatever solutions, although you, good luck finding them cheaper than the academy, we're free. Um, but 
um, they don't represent the bar. They don't speak for the bar, right? So we've had various committees on, you know, when the court's restructuring proposals came out, we had attorneys sort of banding together and pulling it apart and looking at it and making suggestions. And um, that's on a back burner now because it's, we've passed deadlines for it and COVID happened. But, um, you know, even now in COVID, trying to, you know, from a trial lawyer perspective, trying to get jury trials moving again, doing whatever we can to get back in the courtroom um, as feasible as possible or doing things online as much as possible and being a voice for the bar in front of the administrative judges um, and OCA is super important. Uh, and the same is true for your local bars. Like I am a huge supporter of the New York State Bar, your local bars, like you should be a member of at least four bar associations. Everybody should be a member of the Academy, obviously. You should be a member of the State Bar because you're in New York State. You should be a member of your local bar. So whatever county bar or local bar is makes sense for you. And then find an affinity bar that works for you. So the women's bar, the Jewish bar, the, you know, there, there's one, one for everybody, no matter what you are, there's some affinity bar for you or, or a specialty bar, like the trial lawyers bar. Um, and that's the best way to keep up with your profession, keep up with your CLE, keep up with court announcements. Uh, that's a huge thing that we've been doing during the pandemic is having a website up that's constantly updated with all of the court announcements. And for a while with all of the executive orders and administrative orders that were coming out, just having one consolidated place, that's on our website as well. So those kind of services don't exist elsewhere. So you gotta be, you gotta be a member of your bar if you wanna keep those things going. It's great, the, uh, the information flow, especially during times like what we're going through now with the COVID pandemic is so important and the ability to get these emails from the academy on changes and what's going on in the courts and what statute of limitations are being told and executive orders are being issued. It's really important. And one of the things that I learned that a lot of people don't really get to see, um, I learned as a result of being in the leadership with the academy and in other organizations, is that the chief judges, the administrative judges, the people that are in charge of really running the court systems we're in a position to make systemic change for the better and how uh, the courts work. They need to hear from the lawyers and the way they do that is they come to the bar association heads and they come and they sit with us and they ask what we're recommending and they listen to us. They wouldn't be able to do as good a job and the courts wouldn't function as well if they didn't work with our organization and other organizations to get the feedback, the member feedback, which we provide to them, which is absolutely essential. And they really respect that um, our bar has plaintiff attorneys, defense attorneys, judges, students, law professors, you know, it, it's really, and, and very much it's statewide. It's pretty much as, you know, as diverse as you can make it within the planet of trial lawyers. And, and even now, you know, that definition keeps expanding. I mean, initially, I think um, people thought of trial lawyers as meaning only personal injury, but that has really, it's really expanded now. We have, you know, any kind of litigators. We have, you know, family law litigators, estate planning litigators. We have, you know, surrogate court. It's just everybody, criminal practice as well. It's not just civil anymore. We also have lots of criminal attorneys. So um, it's that having that breadth of 
different kinds of lawyers in the mix, all sort of coming to the table to advocate in the same general direction yeah. for things like efficiencies within the courts or, you know, um, ways to make it better for clients, ways, little things, even little tweaks to practice that can just make all of our lives easier. Where do you see things going from your seat? I mean, you have a very, your finger's really on the pulse of things because not only are you in contact with most of the lawyers and law firms in the state on a regular basis, so you're actually hearing what's going on in their practice. They're telling you when cases are moving and they're able to contribute money and be involved. They're telling you in times of tough. And you're also, you know, connected into the politics of it all because we have a lobbying group. Uh, we find out what's going on with legislation in Albany. Um, so from where you sit in that unique spot, um, what's your sense of what's going on in the legal world, uh, at least what we know about in New York State? Obviously, people listening to this are all over the country and actually all over the world. But in New York, what do you see is happening now with everybody? And where do you see things going? Uh, so I think this is, you know, this is pretty dramatic. This shift, this pandemic, I think it's going to have very lasting impacts. I think the technology is going to be huge, that um, the, the way that lawyers use technology is going to be forever changed. I think, um, you know, it'll be just as likely that you will have a not in-person EBT as you have a in-person EBT in the future. Um, folks are just, being an examination before yeah, sorry, trial, being a deposition. With deposition um, yeah. I think, you know, and there'll be a lot more court appearances. I think attorneys appreciate the fact that they're not spending an hour schlepping to, you know, a preliminary conference. It takes five minutes and then schlepping an hour back. I think a lot of the, you know, stuff that you don't really, really need to be in person for is going to switch to being online because it's so much more convenient and it's so much faster. Um, I think that's going to have a very dramatic impact. And um, we'll see what's going to happen with jury trials. That's the part, that's the thing that I think is most interesting. I don't, I wish I had a magic eight ball prediction about what yeah. what's going to happen with jury trials. I mean, our you know, most of our practitioners have been, you know, at, at least at some stage of stalled for six months. That's a lot to be kind of stalling out for six months is really, really hard for practice. That's why our boards recognize that. That's why we're doing free CLE for everybody. Um, you know, you might as well catch up on those while you're <laughs> sitting around. Um, but I think things are starting to pick back up. Uh, like everybody else, I'm nervous about what the fall will bring, and I hope it doesn't all come closing right back down very quickly again, but I have my doubts and fears. Um, I hope that it will be better than the spring, that I feel like folks are more prepared to move into um, doing things remote, even in the courthouses. So even though you know it, it's better when we're back in person, I think folks are more prepared now to have to be remote if that's the case. Do you foresee any possibility that if things even got back to more of a sense of normalcy where you could actually have a group of people in a room, do you see ever having an in-person CLE program when you've found such success through uh, doing it online and virtually? Um, I think that we will eventually get back to in-person. I think that when we do get back, I, when we, I hope we do, when we do get back to in-person, 
I think for sure we will end up live streaming it um, and that we will make it um, available to everybody or at least record it and make it available and then, you know, live stream it. I think um, I don't see us stopping the live stream. I'd like to see us go back to doing in-person as well, but folks are really liking this format. Um, it's working really nicely for our sponsor companies that work with the bar um, to, you know, put the bill. Somebody's going to pay the giant Zoom bill we have to pay to allow 3,000 people on these things at once. Um, so it's working out nicely for the sponsors. They're getting to see a lot more people at once and they're getting a lot more referral calls. So we do appreciate um, our members and non-members sort of, you know, washing the backs of those sponsors, they're washing our backs, that kind of yeah. thing, you know. Michelle, what are you hearing from people that may uh, have their leases coming up for renewal? Uh, I've been having conversations with colleagues about the need to um, keep a large footprint of, of a physical office now. Uh, what are you hearing? I think it's, it definitely depends on where you are. I think it's really hard for people in the city. Um, I think the folks in other parts of New York state, it does it's not a question. Like they're still in their offices or they've been back in their offices since June or July, um, most of their staff's back. I think upstate um, and even like, even Westchester, I think folks are, are using their space in their space um, and are maybe doing somewhat more remote, but that they're still using their space. I think in, in, the, in the city, um, it's, it's a lot harder. And on Long Island, it's a lot harder, right? You've got attorneys and they just want to work from home. And, yeah. you know, if they can be just as productive at home, it's really hard to argue. Um, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that one. I think it's very firm specific. Folks yeah. have to like really decide what you want to do. There are lots of options out there if folks are trying to downsize and want to save um, and can get out of their leases. Um, if they want to try to buddy up with people or share conference room space, find places to do depositions, all of that's kind of thing that the Academy can help with. Like we're good at those kind of logistics and partnering folks up. Um, but yeah, there's no right answer. It's, you know. Michelle, I've been um, so grateful to you and to the Academy for the support and for uh, the doors that have been opened through my involvement in the organization. And I thank the organization for sponsoring uh, several episodes that uh, we've had for CLE, which is great. And I know that my listeners are really happy every time we do a CLE. Uh, we've got one in the works that uh, we won't talk too much about. That's exciting. That'll have a live format we'll do in tandem. But I, I continue to preach and will continue to preach the benefits of organizations and the Academy. Um, but for those who don't really know about the Academy, um, can you tell, uh, tell us how someone could get involved or learn more uh, about the benefits of the New York State Academy of Trial Lawyers? Sure. That's an easy one. So right. um, <laughs> the easiest way to find out more about us is on our website, which is just trialacademy.org. Make sure you write trial and not trail. Um, and um, there's an FAQ about membership you can join online, or you can always just call us. Um, we have an old-fashioned phone number that rings all over the place. Um, <laughs> and that number is 518-364-4044. Members get access to our live streaming CLEs. They get access to our on-demand CLEs for free as well. Um, and we have an enormous catalog of CLEs. So if you are 
really pandemic bored and want to binge watch, like you're out of Netflix, you killed Game of Thrones, whatever, you really need to binge watch some CLE, we have you covered. Um, and there's tons and tons of other resources on the Academy's website that are CLE related and not. We do, um, so all the CLE materials get loaded online so members can access any of our CLE materials, which um, sometimes are extremely useful depending on, you know, if you've got an issue coming up in a case and you just really need to figure some stuff out, you, you know, whatever. It could be something totally like, oh, I've never done a federal case before. You can go find a CLE that'll walk you through it. I think Andrew's done one on. So I might have done that. that. Um, and there's lots of great skills courses um, online. And then all the materials are available. So sometimes you just want to like find a case citation or something. They're great resources for that. We also have um, weekly department updates. So we have authors in all four departments that um, check the cases that come out of the appellate divisions and write up little summaries of the most exciting cases. Um, and then we send out those summaries. So that's sort of like a Cliff Notes version of not having to read all of the appellate division decisions every month if you just want to let our crack staff of authors do it for you. Um, you can do so. Um, and then we have also lots of special deals from Academy sponsors. Um, there's tons of ways to get involved. There's ways to get involved politically if you want to um, be engaged that way and reach out to your representatives or help us draft legislation or uh, monitor. Our lobbyists pretty much monitor the bills for us, but you can always help draft memos of support or opposition to upcoming bills. You can help, um, you know, any number of lobbying and political activities. There's also lots of opportunities to write CLE materials, present CLEs, write, you know, other materials or recaps of law. There's tons of different ways to get involved. You can help recruit members, yeah. can it's, help recruit sponsors. It's great, Michelle. There are, there are so many uh, opportunities. And the reason why I asked you to talk about that is uh, not just to give the Academy a plug just to get members. It's because that's my mission is to, to mentor people and to give them the, um, the opportunities to learn and grow. And by joining the Academy or any organization, that is where you can find areas that interest you and other attorneys who have been there before. So you can find your mentor. You can find someone that can help guide you, whether you want to get more involved in trying cases or you want to get involved in a specific practice area or become more involved in what goes on in, in the legislature in Albany. It's a great place to find mentors and it's a great place to find mentees if you're at a stage in your career uh, that you can find the time to give back. It's a great way to meet the younger members of our profession. So thank you for that. And thank you for sharing all this information with us. Uh, before I let you go, I need to ask you, I ask all of my guests, and I, I'm very curious as to your answer uh, as to what you believe uh, makes a great lawyer. And the reason I'm curious about your answer to this is because while you are an attorney, um, I think the answer will be based, and I'm hoping it'll be based on the fact that you're always surrounded by lawyers, and people sometimes casually say, oh, yeah, he's a great lawyer. Oh, the president, oh, yeah, he's great. Oh, he got a big verdict, or this or that, and I, I don't think it's about who gets the best verdicts, and I'm curious what you believe, if someone were to ask you, how you define a great lawyer. Yeah, this is a great, this is a fun question for me, because I, I'm not a real lawyer, as I, as I... <laughs> 
fondly tell my family all the time, I will be happy to refer you to a real lawyer. <laughs> um, I did pass the bar. I don't want my mom to get upset if she watches this. Um, so um, this, I think this is a, a good a good question. I think that everybody can become a great lawyer and you just have to join as many bar associations as possible. So the more bar associations you join, the greater a lawyer you can become. And there are like hundreds of them out there. So anyone can really knock it out of the park. Um, I, I, you know, it's an excellent question. It's a really interesting question. For me, the, the, my favorite lawyers, my um, my favorite past presidents, my favorite leadership are the ones that think about the bar as a whole and think about the civil justice system as a whole and not, they don't get too lost in, you know, their own individual cases. I mean, obviously they zealously represent their clients, um, but when they look at the civil justice system, they think beyond their own individual cases. And they try to think about what would be what would be best for the bar, what would be best for the practice of law, what would be best for the civil justice system um, as an entire entity? How can we make things better for clients overall? So I've been so lucky to work with so many amazing, amazing trial attorneys that, um, you know, they're very passionate about their clients. They're very passionate about their cases and their work. They give freely of themselves. They really make themselves available to other attorneys. They, um, like you, Andrew, you know, if you run a CLE program for us on something and somebody randomly who is watching one of the 1600 people watching sends you an email, you take the time to write back. Um, and that's unique. Not all lawyers do that, but I feel like all, all of my lawyers do, all academy lawyers are that kind of lawyer where they, they really want to give back to each other. They want to engage in the practice of law as a profession. And um, they like that civility. They like to be able to quickly respond to another lawyer's question with the perfect case to help them out. Like they, they love being able to do that. And I love being able to do that um, when it's like, you know, the perfect sponsor. I don't usually have the right case, but when somebody calls me and says like, oh, I need somebody to do a virtual deposition tomorrow, what do I do? I love being able to be like, this is your call. You tell them I sent you. Like it's the, that's the best. So I think academy lawyers are great because they really, they give a lot to the bar and to each other and they get back so much from doing it. It's the best. That's a great, great answer. And I thank you for that. And I think we are in the midst of a unique time in history where more than ever, we're going to need a lot of great lawyers uh, to help um, to help steer this profession uh, in the right way uh, to benefit everybody in the civil justice system. Uh, in the future as we as we find our way through these strange times. Yeah. Lord help us. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time out of your incredibly crazy and busy schedule. You didn't have to read a code out loud. No. You didn't introduce anybody. No. Andrew, by the way, to all of my, I'm sure plenty of my academy uh, CLE peeps <laughs> will come listen to this. And Andrew really wanted to try to make this CLE worthy. He was like, can we offer credit? And I'm like, I just don't think so. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I you're not really getting credit. wanted to. I really wanted to, but I couldn't. I felt like it just wasn't. I could just picture the CLE board calling me and being like, "So you decided to give yourself credit for presenting now?" <laughs> for those of you, if you don't know, it's not easy to get CLE credit. It's uh, not too many people have the keys to that door. No. So I thank you for that, Michelle. I'm not a real lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you again, and um, I thank you all for tuning in to this episode of The Mentor ESQ. I'm sure you enjoyed uh, this time spent uh, as much as I did with Michelle Stern, and I hope you'll continue to tune in. Please share this episode with all your friends. Uh, I want everybody to hear from Michelle. So share the episode, like it, give us great ratings, and uh, stay tuned and subscribe so each week a new episode will pop up. Uh, into your platform that you listen to your podcast from. I thank you again for listening. Uh, I am Andrew Smiley, and this is The Mentor, ESQ.